they are obviously is something else that happened. I mean, th- those rumors about whatever Kathy said at the club or wherever, I think there has to be some truth that's being left out of here. And I think that's uh, one of the things that's fucking up the show a little bit is because, like I said earlier, we can't exactly piece together what happened because it seems like the over the reaction of Kathy just yelling at her sister doesn't seem warranted by the other women. It's like they're reacting to something bigger, but the show's obviously leaving something else out. So I think it's confusing for the audience. Stay tuned. We'll get to my conversation with Danny Pellegrino right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. So on today's episode of Reality with the King, I'm joined by my friend Danny Pellegrino, who you all may know from the highly successful podcast, Everything's Iconic, in addition to him being a New York Times best-selling author. Danny and I talk about this current season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and how Erica Jane is emerging as one of the best villains of the show. In addition to that, we also talk about the villain of the Kardashians. Yes, find out who that is. <laughs> you may be surprised. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Danny Pellegrino. I haven't seen you since I was on your top-rated podcast, Danny Pellegrino. Everything iconic. You're iconic. I like to think that I'm iconic, too. <laughs> you are. And Carlos, I'm so happy to see you. And your show is just doing so well. I feel like uh, I'm excited. I always love seeing people succeed in the podcast space. So it's so exciting. And I'm happy to be here. Now, look, you have laid the foundation for podcast that really speaks to the pop culture arena, but also the reality TV arena. And you and I met based on just admiration of each other's work. I was on your podcast. It reached number one on the TV and film podcast. So take that, Teddy Mellencamp and Tamara Judge. <laughs> I know, I feel like there's a friendly competition between us all, but I'm, I'm always happy when people, uh, you know, do well. No, I'm the same way, I'm the same way. So thank you for hopping on Reality with the King. We got so much to catch up on, Danny. We got the Kardashian season premiere that just aired. I have lots of thoughts about that. I know you do as well. But first, we have to get into this past week's episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, oh honey. Oh, honey. We have a lot to... So much to talk about. Beyond. Beyond. So let me update my audience on a little quick recap on what happened this past episode. So, following the group's Colorado trip, Lisa Renna, 
who calls herself the LeBron James of Housewives. So we'll get into that too, Danny. Lisa Renna <laughs> accused Kathy of having a meltdown at a nightclub. All of this happened off camera. And the drama continued on the ride home and at her sister Kyle Richards' house. Lisa talked about the event, which allegedly included Kathy insulting Kyle and other housewife cast members. Lisa said in her confessional, and I quote, I feel like I've seen the devil, and her name is Kathy Hilton. So dramatic. Danny, what do we make of all of this? Do you believe that Kathy Hilton was acting like the devil who wears Prada on this Colorado trip? Look, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle with this whole thing. And one of the things that I've been really fascinated by with Real House's Beverly Hills is they're also media savvy. And so I, it's hard to really know who's saying what and what's true. But I'm so curious to talk to you because I really felt like as a viewer, they were all talking about something else behind the scenes. I don't think like what we were being shown is really what happened. And I, I don't know what happened exactly, but I do know that it was clear Everyone in their confessionals was talking about a different thing that happened. I know there was like this conga line thing. And then Rena was talking about what happened when they got back to Kyle's Aspen house. But I think Erica Jane seemed to have seen and heard something totally different than what was happening. And so when I saw her confessional and she's talking about how intense it was, but then Crystal, she also saw a commotion, but didn't seem to think that there was anything really serious about it. So there was something that happened, but I don't know. You're a producer, so like, I'm curious what you thought of like what actually happened because something more happened than what we saw. Oh, and in the words of Lisa LeBron James, um, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that because I think it's so ridiculous, but in the words of Lisa LeBron James Renna, um, we're going to talk about it. So that's a very good question you're asking me. So... A little insight for my raindrops, okay? When you are a reality TV producer and you take the cast on a cast trip, whether it's an international trip or a domestic trip, right? You have only 12 hours to get the content you need because there's, there's a thing called a union rule, okay? So let me break this down for you guys. A union rule in production is every show has 12 hours to get the content, and the crew needs at least a one-hour break. If you film after those 12 hours, you have to pay the crew overtime. And overtime is expensive. It's like time and a half, right? So oftentimes, as a production company or producers, you make the tough call to say, you know what? This shit is so crazy. It's worth going into overtime. Oftentimes... You feel like you got the scene. It's approaching a 12-hour day. It's very important that the crew gets a break and, and, and rest. We, we do not believe in overworking the crew, right? So with that being said, just because the crew is off doesn't mean the reality stars are off, right? So with that being said, the reality star is like, then this is some tea for y'all. A reality star marvels at the fact that the crew has to wrap it up because they feel like, oh, bitch, I get to act a fool off camera, right? Now, when you're working with Carlos King, and the reason why people call me the king of reality television, at the end of the day, if you are off, 
meaning the crew, you can send the producer or sometimes myself because I get paid a flat. So I would go to these parties with these girls with my iPhone and film all the shenanigans. Okay, that's the thing that I had the most questions about because there was no footage of anything that happened that night at the club. And I was wondering, even on if you look at The Real Housewives of New York, we've seen times at the Berkshires where Bethany has had her camera phone out, or we've seen on uh, The Real Housewives of Orange County in the Sprinter van, there's sort of that night footage. And so I feel like there have also been times where the housewives even have taken out their phone. And, and I thought, like, Lisa Renna is so savvy. How come we have it? We didn't get any sort of footage of it. Like, why didn't anyone have a phone out? Or was it a case of they maybe did have their phone out or there was some footage, but there was maybe legal issues for showing it? Like, uh, there had to have been something there. This is my professional opinion, and I'm glad you brought out the legalities of the situation. I'm not Phaedra Parks, but I am a lawyer. Okay, <clears throat> so... This is what I'm thinking. One thing we know about the Beverly Hills Housewives, okay, and one of the um, executives at the production company was on our mutual friend Kate Casey's podcast. And that particular production company produces the OC and Beverly Hills. And Kate asked a genius question of the difference between the OC Housewives and the Beverly Hills Housewives and how you produce them. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of the Beverly Hills housewives um, hold things close to their chest. They're not as transparent and vulnerable as the OC women. So I'm saying that to say, when it comes to these Beverly Hills housewives, I believe they like to protect each other. They have this alliance with like, guys, it's off camera. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's not Let's not do that to where we're throwing each other under the bus. So I do believe that there was no footage of it. Now, when it comes to the idea of it possibly being footage and it not being aired, I am in the sense that Kathy Moneybags Hilton, who can afford all of the networks combined and streamers and YouTubers... <laughs> and podcast, I would not be surprised if somebody took off their took out their phone, excuse me, and recorded something. And Kathy Moneybag Hilton, who has lawyers on speed dial like Lisa from Salt Lake City, confiscated the shit. She said, "Absolutely not. We're not airing it." And also what was so fishy to me was like the next day at Kyle's house, normally I would feel like production, they showed the outside of Kathy's room, but normally I feel like production would have had Kyle or Rinna knocking on the door and we would have had a subtitle thing saying like, I'm not coming out, Kyle, or whatever. I felt like that it was so fishy that too, because I was like, was Kathy even there at the house that next morning? Because wouldn't they have had some sort of audio even or... Or wouldn't production have stayed behind if they couldn't film the night before? Production wrapped that next or that night before. Well, the ne- the next day production starts over for those twelve hours, and they did film. They filmed Rinna and Kyle at Kyle's Aspen house. So why didn't they have any footage with Kathy? Why weren't they asking Kathy, "Hey, can you come talk about this?" Or or why wasn't a producer like we've seen when they break the fourth wall of them knocking on the door and saying, "Kathy, you know, we're leaving" or something? There was like not even a minute of Kathy that next day of any audio, any behind the door. I understand if they couldn't have gotten her out of the room to mic her up, but they would have had a subtitle or something. So it was like, that's fishy to me. 
child, I hate to interrupt, but stay tuned for my conversation with Danny Pellegrino right after these quick ads. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Danny Pellegrino. I love talking to you, honey, because you get down to the <laughs> T, and you are asking all of the best questions in the world as relates to that scene. And this is, again, guys, I've been producing Housewives for almost 10 years, so I know a little something, something, right? Which is why I love my podcast. Yes. Okay. I believe wholeheartedly, that when it comes to the Beverly Hills women, what you're used to seeing on other franchises, Jersey, Atlanta, Potomac, um, even the OC, it is my fundamental belief, and I'm going to give you some receipts, Danny, Please. that production is afraid of those women. Mm. And, and I believe when it comes to Kathy specifically, I believe they really do not try to ruffle Kathy's feathers because everything you're implying, I, I agree with in terms of if she was in that room, bitch, I'm knocking on the door. Right. I am. Let me tell you how Carlos King would have done it. I would have had a cast member call Kathy on speaker because at the end of the day, bitch, you ain't got to know that we're filming this. I would have had a cast member call Kathy on speaker and say, oh, my gosh, where are you? We're about to leave. Like <laughs> oh something. God. Nothing. Something. Carlos King has been on camera plenty times because in order to get the story, you need to send a producer. And because these women and, and I have a great relationship, they're not going to say no to me. So I would have sent a producer who has a great relationship with, with Kathy, knocked on that door and said, hey, uh, can I mic you? Can I? I believe that they're so afraid of those women, they do not ruffle feathers. And the example I want to give you, Danny, is this. Remember last season when Garcelle, in front of the group, they were on, a, on another cast trip, Garcelle told the group that Erica revealed to her that she was still in touch with Tom Giraldi, which was a, a big revelation for Erica because Erica at the time was making it seem like she wasn't um, friendly with him. And do you remember how she yelled at Garcelle, but it was really the producer she was yelling at, and then she walked away, slammed the door, and you heard a little bit of the audio, but you never heard anything about it? I believe that that is the nature when it comes to the production of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Interesting. Yeah, so you think they're all afraid. Yeah. I think they're all afraid of Kathy. I think Kathy has shown them how much power she has because let me tell you something about reality stars. Okay, Danny? They all want to feel equal. So when a friend to the show who doesn't need the money, because all the other girls do need the money, and that is no shade. Yeah. And also, Kathy, Kathy became the fan favorite, too. It's like, that that's not only, she's a friend of, but she also last season or the season, I don't know when she joined, if it was one or two years ago, but she really became the fan favorite without having to really do much other than kind of walk on screen and act like Mr. Magoo. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So because Kathy did not come back to the season until the mid-season because 
allegedly, she was asking for more money. When that happens, and this is just me giving y'all some insight on, on reality stars. When a reality star doesn't come back the first day of filming or even the first week of filming, they know that 10 times out of 10 is because they're negotiating their rate. And they feel like, well, bitch, if you're paying her more than me, it's a problem. So because Kathy came back mid-season, all the antennas went up in terms of, oh, because she's the fan favorite, she'll give you a little snarky comment, a little dingy, dingbat moment, and she's worthy of coming back mid-season. What does y'all give into? How much money is she making? And I believe that's the reason why Lisa Renna has a hard-on for Kathy because of the jealousy of Kathy getting what she wanted and, and having the audacity to come back mid-season and eat crackers and ask for grape juice. Right, right. And the other thing I want to point out, well, well, two things I want to point out. I also think there's some layer of this where Kathy also has other shows with the network, her family meeting. Like they did the Paris show on Peacock, which was like a big show for the Peacock thing, which is owned by NBC Universal. And so I think that could come into play. But what's so interesting is about the Lisa Renna thing. It's like watching her very clearly, I think, dramatically acting about it. So yeah, look, I think there was something that might've happened where maybe Kathy was losing it. And I do think that that happened. But then Lisa Renna's response to it was so odd to me because she was acting as if she couldn't sit at this party with Kathy. And she was giving us this like soap opera acting. And it just, that's where I think maybe Lisa Renna went wrong here because it was like, okay, maybe this thing happened, but then you're very clearly trying to make a meal out of a snack with it. And it's like, there's some something fishy about that too. It's like, why are you acting? We've seen you confront everyone on this show and we've seen you uh, sit down with Denise and you're always the one who say, I'm not, I'm going to talk about it and I'm not going to be afraid. And then it's like at Crystal's, whatever that fucking 1920s thing again, <laughs> which we're doing that a hundred times, which also, by the way, people pointed out to me that that party was like a murder mystery party because there was like blood on the cookies and stuff. And I, I guess the there was like a knife in the background, but they showed it to us as if it was just a 1920s party. But I think it was actually a murder mystery. And Bravo probably said, we've done too many murder mysteries, so we're just going <laughs> to present it as 1920. But the thing that is interesting is that, yeah, I think, uh, I think that Rinna was sort of acting over dramatic about it. There was something else there. Okay, so Carlos, tell me, what do you think uh, when it came to Lisa Rinna's reaction to the Kathy of it all? Like, did you think she was overreacting? Did that run any red flags for you? Lisa Rinna is a red flag. She is a... <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, red flag, Rena. okay? Um, I have been very... I'm not going to say hard. I've been honest. I've been honest about Lisa Rena this season. And, Danny, you're on point in the sense of she's overacting. I feel like she's fighting for position on the show. It's like she's reading a script along with Eileen Davison as her acting coach. And she's not being present like she used to be, like... Lisa Renna used to be funny and, and a joy and whimsical and, you know, but always just real. And I think what we saw with her fear of not confronting Kathy when they're in the same room together and acting as if Kathy's done something so horrible. Now, in Lisa's defense, 
Because the word on the street, in my Giselle Bryan voice, is the fact that Kathy allegedly, allegedly said a gay slur and things that allegedly were a little racist. Now, that hasn't been uncovered as truth, so I want to make that very clear. These are rumors, and one thing we know about rumors, especially me, not all of them are true. So, if Lisa Renner heard Kathy say something along those lines, then yes, I would understand why Lisa Renner feels that way. Yeah, I think sometimes one of the interesting things about Lisa Renner is when she first came on the show, I think the show was even different. I mean, they really on Beverly Hills leaned into the glam of it all. And now we see Lisa Renner leaning into the glam. When we first met her, she was selling the dusters on the QVC channel. <laughs> and so I feel almost sometimes like that's a representation of her kind of, yes, A, evolving with the show, but B, sort of turning herself into some of these other characters she's surrounded by, kind of picking up pieces of Dorit and picking up pieces of Erica. And we even see the way that she enters scenes is differently. I always talk about this on my show, but every time she's entering a scene and she sees Erica, she's like, hey, bitch! You know, she's like doing a really aggressive, and they kind of do that, hello, that is so different. If you were to look at Lisa Renna's first scene, I on the show when she joined years back, I feel like she was a little bit different person. And so, yes, you grow and evolve, but I think part of it too is maybe her losing the plot a little bit of like who her position on the show is. Does that make sense? It makes a whole lot of sense because one, I got to be honest, Danny, and this may get me in trouble, but Lord knows uh, I'm always in trouble. So one thing that is concerning about housewives in general, not the show itself. I mean the reality stars, these housewives who are the stars of these shows. They're so afraid of losing their jobs that they are starting to become different versions of everyone else. And you could not be more correct in the sense of Lisa Renna has been picking different pieces of other people. I mean, I miss Lisa Renna when she was confident in the 80s hairdo that she wore as the character Billy on Days of Our Lives. Now she's wearing name brand clothing. She's looking like Harry Styles every time she comes on the screen. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had to laugh at that myself. She looks, I think she looks great, but it's, it's, it is a difference. Yes, it's like she needs to be in one direction. But my issue is the direction you need to go into is becoming your authentic self. And I am not enjoying her this season. Her friendship with Erica Jane, in my opinion, is a friendship of circumstance. And I don't know. And this is the sad part. If Kathy Hilton said some of these elaborate things that people are alleging she's saying, and again, this is this is just on the internet make that very clear, um, then then I, I do want to hear about it. But if Kathy, in the heat of the moment, talks shit about her sister, as somebody who has nine siblings, that happens, but it doesn't mean... Yeah, it's not a big of a deal. Yeah, it's not the death of the person. It's like, stop overreacting. I feel like, and quote me on this, I think Lisa Renna is jealous of Kathy Hilton and, and, and it's monetary reasons why which is why a couple of days ago she said, I'm the LeBron James 
of Housewives, You Can't Afford to Lose Me. Well, and I think it's so interesting is that uh, they are obviously is something else that happened. I mean, th- those rumors about whatever Kathy said at the club or wherever, I think there has to be some truth that's being left out of here. And I think that's uh, one of the things that's fucking up the show a little bit is because, like I said earlier, we can't exactly piece together what happened because it seems like the over the reaction of Kathy just yelling at her sister doesn't seem warranted by the other women. It's like they're reacting to something bigger, but the show's obviously leaving something else out. So I think it's confusing for the audience. And it, it seems like maybe that'll come up at the reunion. Maybe we'll learn more about like what happened that night and maybe there'll be some more specifics. But if it was really just like Kathy yelling at her sister, I mean, we've seen uh, Kim and Kyle yell at each other and the other women didn't react in the same way they're reacting now. So it, it's like something else must have happened, but like then the show needs to kind of help us put together the other pieces of the puzzle because I'm not as if you are understanding exactly like this outsized reaction to just Kathy stomping around on her glasses and yelling at her sister. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. And before we move on to Erica Jenks, I would love to get your thoughts on her and Garcelle's friend, Cherie. Um, Allegedly. It has been said that they are still editing the season. Allegedly, it's been said that the women were not allowed to watch the last two episodes of the season to prepare for the reunion. There was a moment during this season where, out of nowhere, the episode was dark, meaning uh, a new episode did not air when it was supposed to, and people were alleging that they were maybe in edit because Kathy, allegedly, may have hired a lawyer looked through the footage. And let's not forget, Lisa Renna did say that Kathy allegedly said, I will take down NBC <laughs> and Bravo. So do you think Kathy has lawyers involved and it's a much bigger situation than you and I can even imagine? Okay, you just also pointed out, she said, Kathy said she's going to take down NBC and Bravo. Well, the truth of the matter is, why would Kathy say that if she just got in a fight with her sister? Like, there had to have been something else, or else why would Kathy have even said that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So she would have only said that if she said or did something, like, out crazy, that she would have had to take down NBC and Bravo. But... You know, I don't know. It's confusing as the viewer. And I wish somebody would step in. I w- this is a moment where I wish they would break the fourth wall. And they did that. I remember on the Denise season, we had a producer come in and yell at Denise, like saying, this is reality, whatever. Remember that guy? I don't remember who it was, but he came on screen and yelled at Denise. And it's like, this is when I need... Chris Cullen. This is when I need somebody to step on screen and kind of piece it together. Or, or I need to hear a producer in a confessional asking these women... What do you think of this? Like, give me a little... You don't have to break the fourth wall entirely, but you're going to have to give us more information because it's hard for the viewer. And especially, like, Carlos, you and I, like, we pay attention to kind of the blogs or news stories or something. Like, I feel like I am someone who knows a lot about this stuff behind the scenes. I hear things, whatever. But for the average viewer, I think this is very confusing. I always say my family's in Ohio, and I always use this example, but it's like my brother and sister-in-law, if they're sitting down to watch... 
they're not, they're confused. And this is just making it harder for them to understand what's going on. So why would they want to watch a show where they can't even fucking understand what everyone's arguing about? It, it's like, uh, they need to be better. And I love them and I love the show and I love the producers, but they need to be better about explaining what's happening. No, I, listen, I could not agree more. And it goes to show you that Kathy's money is much longer than Denise Richards. Because at the end of the day, the only power Denise Richards had was them disinviting Brandy Glanville from the virtual reunion. Okay? So, moving on. I miss Denise. I, I want Denise back, too. I actually like Denise, and I was so mad. I'm like, Denise, who gives a fuck if you went downtown on Brandy, allegedly? Like, who cares? It's not the end of the world. Like, whatever. I, whatever. I, I digress. I know. She played it wrong. Totally. But guess who's playing it right, in my opinion? And this is about to be possibly... The most controversial statement of this episode. I am enjoying and loving me some Erica Jane this season. Okay, Carlos. I I was this episode, I really did kind of like her. <laughs> I really did sort of like her, and I haven't liked her the whole season. But I feel like this episode was the first time where, at least for me, watching felt like she really stepped into the villain role in a way that I think that she should, and that works for the show and for her. Because I don't know. There was something about the way that she was saying, like, Kathy's not going to get away with it and everything. I don't know. I got, like, chills just because I felt like she finally went into the villain role. And it's like, yeah, you you are a villain. And I sometimes am watching. And lately in the press, there's been all these A-listers like Jennifer Lawrence and John Hamm. Basically, Jennifer Lawrence outright called her evil. And it's like, for so long, I feel like she hasn't been leading into the fact that she might be evil or maybe <laughs> thinks that she's not evil. And now, finally, this week, I was like, oh, you're playing evil now, finally. <laughs> right, which, which, okay. I, I may have said this on a, a, a different episode, but I'll share with you, Danny. One of the things about being a reality TV producer is it's a very um, tight-knit community of, of producers. We all know each other because one thing I don't think the world knows is when you are a reality TV producer you typically hop and jump from show to show. Like, you can do Beverly Hills Housewives and hop and do Atlanta, Love is Blind on Netflix, to freaking Million Dollar Listing. Like, the rotation of, of jobs you can have is, is that extended because you're a freelancer at the end of the day. So, I've always been told that Erica Jane, even from her first, second, third, and fourth season, has always been spicy. And what was so interesting is when you watch her earlier seasons, she comes across as very fun and lighthearted, a girl's girl, you know, a gay's gay. You know what I mean? Like like the homegirl next door. But I've always been told she she had, allegedly, a little villainous to her, right? Um, and I always wonder when she was going to play into that, that side of her, the way Kenya plays into it, the way... Megan McCain played into it on The View. You know what I mean? Like, the controversial woman. And I agree with you that I have enjoyed her for the past two episodes because I'm like, finally, you're stepping into who, in my opinion, you really are. And controversial statement again, I'm kind of agreeing with her take on a few things. 
Well, I I did agree with her take on a few things too. Overall, not so much, but this past episode, I definitely felt uh, I liked her a lot. And and I think we're so starved on Beverly Hills for people to play into the villain role because, you know, I look at someone like Dorit, and I know you feel similarly about this, like Dorit's earlier seasons, she was also a different person and she wasn't afraid of being outspoken and, and playing into the villain role as well. And I feel like Dorit is someone who's gotten so neutered down lately and I'm not really, I, I think part of it is because they're media trained and they don't want to come across as bad. And after so many seasons, they see how the game is played, especially with something like Beverly Hills, where the fan base is so uh, invested into the show. And if they have a one wrong move, then Twitter is in an uproar about their performances on the show. And they, you know, get mad at them and all of this kind of stuff. And so I look at someone like Dorit and I'm like, she's a, a neutered down version of what she was when she first started. Oh, well, honey, you and my raindrops know how I feel about Doree, and everything you're saying is 100% accurate. And I think that's the reason why we're loving Erica. Well, let me not say we, Chaz. A lot of people don't. But it's one of those people who you love to hate or hate to love, right? Because ever since Brandy Glanville left, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was missing a villain who owned that space. And although it's a tough space to be in, and it takes a lot of strength to deal with the, you know, um, the, the reaction from the audience. Brandy stood in it. And when she left or got fired, she, it was a missing element. And Erica Jane is so delicious to watch. In her interviews, when she plays to the camera with the smoky, you know... <laughs> You know, the smoky mascara, you know, the eyeshadow. Mm -hmm. I want more of that. And I think at the end of the day, I want Erica Jane to be the Meghan McCain of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Well, it's interesting you brought up Brandy Glanville because I totally agree. And I I miss a presence like Brandy Glanville on the show. Like, I... I think the sh- these shows need someone who's not afraid of a audience reaction and and b being completely the one who's who's stirring up the drama. I think Brandy was so necessary on this show for so many years, and I know it didn't end well for her, but I I miss that kind of vibe. Baby, there's a new villain in reality television, and they made their appearance on the season premiere of The Kardashians, and I'm talking about none other than Tristan Thompson. I mean, that premiere, I was so fascinated by because A, I wasn't expecting it to just be about Chloe. The whole hour was about Chloe's storyline, which normally in the first season of that show, they're doing everyone's storylines together, mixing it up. And usually they're giving us some, there's always like one C plot that is just completely bonkers, like scripted, Chris doing something wacky. I guess we sort of still got that because Chris had a wacky moment in this episode where she like forgot that she owned a condo. Um, but it was so interesting how it was produced that they just decided to like, hey, everyone's talking about this Chloe stuff. Let's get everyone talking about the premiere and just make the whole premiere about that so that it's something, it's dramatic and also it's a different form for the show. And I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. And I, I want to talk to my raindrops a little bit because, you know, I have Malika Hawk um, on this podcast. She's a friend of mine, a very close friend. And because of her, I got a chance to meet Chloe. And I met Chloe on two separate occasions while Malik and I were working on one of my other shows called Hollywood Divas, um, maybe five years ago. And Danny Pellegrino, when I say to you, Chloe Kardashian 
is one of the nicest people in the world. And not just nice in a very superficial way that some celebrities can act when they when they feel like they're on. Um, these are moments to where it's behind the scenes and she doesn't have a camera on her and it's just like me, her, and Malika just kicking the shit. I want people to know that Chloe is so sweet. She's so nice. And bitch, she is stunning in person. Gorgeous. She's a, she's a gorgeous girl. I've heard anecdotally, too, people who have worked with them. I, I've really only heard good things about how they are off camera. I mean, for the most part, I've heard such great things about Kim off camera. People who've worked on those shows or worked with them in other capacities. It, which I, yeah, I, I think sometimes working in the industry or something, you hear from people and Oftentimes you hear about this person's not very nice when they're off camera. But yeah, I think sort of the reputation I've heard of, at least, which could be completely wrong, but that they're nice. Oh, no, I'm I'm, I'm here to vouch for that and say that is very, very true. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up first, Danny, is because, <sighs> okay, I don't get emotional on this podcast because <laughs> it's, it's a fun podcast. But I really, I felt so bad for her. And I'm going to tell you why, and I would love to get your opinion, Danny. She seemed so sad throughout the entire episode. And she really is affected, obviously, like any woman would, by what Tristan did to her, by knowing in July that he got another woman pregnant and never told her and the fact that he allegedly, well, well, shit, they said this on the show, and Tristan was on the show, so he signed the release, so it was all good in the hood. Yeah. Um, Chloe said that Tristan knew about this other child in July based on the court documents that they received. And during those months of July, August, September, and October, he was encouraging her to have this baby. Like, let's have the baby together. And when she found out in November, she found out after Thanksgiving, a few days after Thanksgiving, that the embryo took. And a week later is when it was revealed that this motherfucker had another baby. And she alluded to the fact, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was she, Kim, or, or Malika, but it was alluded to the fact that Tristan was trapping Chloe in the sense of, if we have this baby together while well, I know this secret, then you are kind of like forced to be with me. And for that reason... She might forgive me for this. Yeah, she might. Oh, she might forgive me for this. And this, you are... Listen, you are one of the most shadiest motherfuckers ever in, 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 in human life. Because at the end of the day, you could have prevented all of this by just being honest about what was going on because she's given you so many chances after chances after chances. The thing that made me most emotional about the whole episode and the whole situation was I was really thinking about these this family that they've made their livelihood really being honest and open about their lives, whether it be on the show or in social media, they've pretty much bared their whole lives out there. And I really, for the, for I think the first time really had that sort of Oprah moment of like, They've put themselves in this living hell where they have to show the world of what's going on in their lives. And then I could see Chloe being so upset just thinking about how the reaction she's going to get from people 
when they find out she's having this baby with Tristan. So the whole episode, she's really worried about telling people and she doesn't want it publicly out there. And I was thinking, what a hell she put herself in that they can't even really get out of. And it's like, yes, they have all this money and they can do whatever they want monetarily, but they're living in hell. Like it's, it's hell. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and one thing that, you know, I, I want to share with the listeners is the fact that, look, being a public figure, being famous, being um, someone who has, you know, a, your face out there, yes, there's there's tons of blessings that comes along with that. And let's be very clear, the Kardashian has so many blessings to be thankful for. And one thing I love about the family is they are very spiritual. And we saw that in the premiere when Courtney Kardashian... Uh, reflected on the Bible and, and babies being a blessing. The, the dark side to being famous in the public eye or whatever is this weird relationship you have with social media. Because social media can either be a, a fun playground or it can be like 60 days in um, Annie to where you are trapped in this world where everything around you is darkness. And you have to have this strength to live your life without a care in the world of what people are thinking about you. Because what you just identified, Danny, is what also made me sad with Chloe was the fact that she was evidently hurt by what Tristan did, but she was also dealing with the fact of public embarrassment and people trolling her on social media based on something she didn't know. And that, to me, just sort of goes to show that we have to show a little bit more grace to our reality stars. Because at the end of the day, they're giving us their full life on camera, some of them, and it's an opportunity for us to, like, you know, make a comment here or there. But Chloe's struggles was really about, to me, and I think to you as well, Danny about the social media fodder that was going to come her way. Yeah, I had a moment where I was watching it too, and I thought, man, they should have just walked away. Because I think when it comes to the TV show aspect of it, they can't hide a whole lot. Like they, yes, they have control over editing, and I'm sure they do get certain things taken out. I think there's been rumors that Pete's going to be largely removed from the season. So I think they do have a lot of power when it comes to production. But still, when something like that happens, they know they are going to have to address it. Whereas I think in my own life, if something like that happened, I'd be like, I don't have to fucking address it. Like, I can address what I want and I don't have to. But with the show, they have so much money. And I really thought, like, maybe they should have just walked away. And I don't think that was ever their plan to really end the show. But I still kind of feel like they should have taken their money and ran and they still could have controlled what they wanted, got out there when it came to social media, and they still could have ran their businesses. But it just seems like, why are you guys doing this? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I thought the same thing. So when it was announced that E! and the Kardashians were going to collectively cancel keeping up with the Kardashians, as a reality TV producer, and again, as somebody who, you know, I'm not going to say I'm close to the family by any means, but somebody who's been around them, um, my initial reaction was, you guys had a good run, and it's the perfect time to get off of reality TV because you guys are so famous that the show no longer is about this funny, wealthy family who's on the verge of fame, and 
you get to see all the hijinks of like being married for 72 days or, you know, dealing with a breakup or Scott Disick, you know, having these unfortunate situations happen to him. I felt like, you know what, good for you guys to end on a high note and use social media to pump your products and your endorsements the way Kylie does. Kylie was a billionaire first, and Miss Thing is on television twice a year. Like, she has no presence on TV, but she's the most wealthy. And I'm, I'm with you, Danny. I think, based on what happened, I think they've given the world so much of themselves, and as a the king of reality television. I want to give them their flowers and say thank you for the entertainment. But I think based on what's happening with Kim and Kanye, Pete, Ray J now, and of course with Tristan, what unfortunately happened, you know, at the concert and Travis Scott, like, I feel like it may be the time to say, you know what? It may not be what we thought it was, and maybe we should bow out gracefully. And I don't imagine that they need the Hulu paycheck because I really do think they could walk away. They have billions of followers on social media. I mean, even just from social deals and using the social media platform to promote their own businesses, I think they'd be so monetarily fine, more than fine, to move on without the show. I think that early on in the Kardashian days, like the show was sort of the platform and that helped grow all these other aspects of their career. But like they're, they're pretty much... Uh, topped out. Like how many more followers can they really get? Like they, they use the show to their advantage and now they should ride off into the sunset and use all their following that they got to sell their wares and everything. And they'd still be rich as fuck. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And in closing, I think that it may be time to just step away from reality television and Kris Jenner step into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, because I would love to see what you, Kathy, Kyle, and Lisa Renna can do. That's that's my opinion. Right. And we also just, I, while we're on the topic, I need Kim Richards back next season on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, I need to know where Kim stands. I feel like it would add such an interesting layer to The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills of, like, seeing where Kim is in the Kathy and Kyle of it all. And they need it. It has to happen. Well, you heard him here first. We want Kim Richards back from the iconic Danny Pellegrino. Yes. All right, Danny. Let the audience know where they can find you, follow you, support you, all that good stuff. Thank you so much, Carlos. I love chatting with you, so thank you. Uh, you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. I have a book out called How Do I Unremember This? So maybe people can pick that up. I'd love it. And my show is called uh, Everything Iconic, which you can get uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Oh, Raindrops, I can talk to Danny all day, every day of the week. He is my sister from another mister. (laughs) Come on, Danny. I love him. He has such great insight on these reality shows. And it's nice to know that there's someone out there who loves Erica Jane being a villain as much as I do. Yes, Danny, we got to invite him back on to talk about this season of Potomac when it airs in a few weeks. So, Danny, if you're listening, clear your schedule, girl. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, 
and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag RealityWithTheKing. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Additional production support by Corinne Wallace and Alexis Williams. Engineering and music by Marcus Hong. More sauce.